0: Hello, friends, and welcome back to In the Limelight. I am excited to be back for another week of open conversations about Lyme disease and chronic illness and everything under the sun. Um, For this episode, I am dipping back into looking at some of my most asked questions on instagram as most of you know i'm very very open about my chronic illness and tick-borne illness journey mostly through instagram um and i get asked a lot of questions one of them being like what do you feel like has helped you the most and i really struggle to answer that question because i like to relate lyme disease to an onion right like you peel away these layers and then as you peel away layers you start to treat other things. And I really feel like every single um, treatment I've done, although it hasn't like put me into remission or maybe even like substantially helped, I really do feel like every single thing that I've done is a building block um, to get me one step closer to truly healing and to remission. And we know even when we reach remission, there's lots of maintenance that you have to do. And things like that so I know that that term means something different to each person but today I figured I would kind of reflect on the years and compile a list of the things that I personally feel like have helped me the most Um, keep in mind everyone is so so different which is why I very rarely share um, treatments that I've really done and I never really share my exact treatment plan because I know that what helps me might not help someone else and vice versa. For example, I did um, IV rosephrine for a very long time, and it did not put me into remission, sadly, but I have a friend that did IV rocephrine for less time than I did, and it put her into remission. So why that happens, you know, we don't know, but that's why we keep asking questions and Funding research. I also just have to say, as a disclaimer, that I am not a doctor and this is not meant to be taken as medical advice. Um, I am just sharing my own personal experience with these modalities of treatment. And if any of these sound like they're a good fit for you, share it with your doctor, see what they think, um, and maybe it will help you um i know knowledge is power and there's so many things that i personally have found out about from um, educating myself by talking to other people i am not including that in this list because i got ivig approved technically for an immune deficiency so if you want to learn more about that um, i will link the episode that i recorded that's all about IVIG in the comments, but I just wanted to let you know that is why it's not included. So on that note, I will get started and share a little bit about my experience um, with each treatment, everything from IV antibiotics to supplements. And um, so I'll share my experience and I'll share a little bit about like the scientific background behind them so that this can serve as an educational um, podcast as well. And if you have any questions like thinking through this, write them down, send them to me, and I'll do my best to answer them or send you to a resource that can. All right. So, the first treatment I wanted to talk about was rocephrine. So, rosephrine, um it's basically, I took it as an IV through my picline line, and it's an antibiotic. It's used to treat many, many kinds of bacterial infections, including severe or life-threatening forms of things like meningitis. Um, why my doctor put me on rocephin is that it has excellent penetration of the blood-brain barrier, which oral antibiotics do not cross over. And if you're like me and you've had Lyme, you know, going on years and years, and you have neurological symptoms, you. I mean it you know it gets in your brain it just is what happens and that's what causes the neurological symptoms. So according to like what I researched online what my doctor says, Iverosifren is one of the most effective drugs for Lyme disease. So how did this help me? So essentially before I started Iverosifren which was now 2 or 3 years ago, um, I was pretty much bedridden. I could not get out of bed on my own. I couldn't go up and down stairs. I could barely like wash my hair on my own. I know many of us sadly have experienced this in our Lyme journey. Um, so we decided to try IV antibiotics because nothing else was really working to get me out of that hump and Iverosaffron I was on it for two or three months before I really noticed a huge difference. And then I noticed I could start, you know, getting out of bed on my own. And my brain just felt clearer, as weird as that sounds. Um, My energy was better. And that's totally relative because I literally had none to start with. But I at least then had, like, an hour or so of, like, good usable time during the day, which was amazing. Um, So that's what it did for me. And I am not currently on IV I came off of it for the first time in like over a year after starting IVIG just to see how my body would do Um, because for a while when I would come off of the rocephorin, I would just sink again like a brick, you know, in a matter of days. So my body, I guess, just was not ready. So that is my experience with IV The next thing I wanted to chat about is ozone therapy. So, I know that ozone therapy um, is kind of controversial depending on who you talk to. You know, they say that there's not enough scientific evidence um, or, like, I don't know what the correct thing would be, like, FDA-funded studies, I guess, um, to prove this. But it's used in other countries and, like, European countries, like, very, very successfully. Um, It's an all-natural treatment. It's not a pharmaceutical thing. Um, So, take that as you will. And now I'm going to pop over to um, actually where I get ozone done at Case Integrative Health in Chicago with Dr. Kelly. And I'm basically just going to read you a broken down version of how ozone works. So ozone is highly reactive in our bodies. It triggers a long list of positive impacts depending on what you're dealing with. So essentially ozone breaks down quickly into oxygen and a single oxidant. So oxygenated blood fuel, literally, it fuels our cells, it boosts our metabolism, it can reduce like recovery times if you're an athlete. Um, What I love about it is that it accelerates the immune system's ability to fight infection. So the presence of oxidants causes our body to go into overdrive, creating antioxidants, which helps fight infection um, and many different types of bugs, and it essentially just cleans out our system. So, viruses, bacteria, et cetera, et cetera, cannot produce their own antioxidants. So, if they come into contact with an ozone molecule, they are killed very, very quickly. Um, Bugs do not develop resistance to ozone, which is great. So, there's no, nothing, you know, similar to, like, antibiotic resistance. It doesn't happen. So, it's very, very effective um, according to the case website. It was German doctors in the 1950s who started using it to treat patients, and actually a biochemist from Germany won the Nobel Prize in 1931 for discovering that, that this certain type of cancer cells die in an oxygen-rich environment, um, making ozone therapy very important for like cancer therapies. And, um, as we know, Lyme disease is very, very similar to cancer in how it shuts down the body, shuts down the immune system. So it makes sense that ozone, um, would work well, you know, for this. So, so I waited probably like a year into my Lyme journey to try ozone because it just seemed really scary at first. And I like had never heard of it before. Um, obviously did not have a lot of experience about it and I wish that I had tried it, sooner um, because I think it could have done a lot of good for me, like right off the bat. So personally, ozone for me takes away a lot of my pain, a lot of my physical pain. Um, I noticed for about like a week after having it, And then um, it also helps to bring down my neurological symptoms when I do it consistently. So for me, that's the thing. Consistency is key. I can't just do it like one time and feel amazing. I have to do it like every week or every two weeks depending on how I'm feeling and how my brain is feeling to really keep me pain-free and lessen those neurological symptoms. And if it makes sense, my brain just feels like clearer when I have ozone done. Um, It's like a fog has lifted. And I absolutely have like psychiatric symptoms from Lyme disease and ozone really, really helps those. So, you know, I know I've been very open on like Instagram about talking about my panic attacks that I've been experiencing through the pandemic. And when I have ozone, that those definitely tend to lift um, and it tends to just bring me out of like that emotionally bad place. So I think ozone can do a lot of good for, in a lot of different ways for different people, you know, depending on how your body reacts to it. I would say um, go into it cautiously just because it can cause Herxheimer reactions and it can make you sick. Um, if you do too much too fast, you know, at one time. So definitely talk to your doctor if you're going to start ozone therapy and go slow and steady. Okay, the next one is an earful. So I want to talk about peptides. So, I personally do two different peptide therapies, and what a peptide is, is essentially it's a naturally occurring amino acid chain, which acts as the body's signal molecule to switch certain cell functions on or off. So, these signals can be specifically targeted to trigger therapeutic effects of all types depending on what you're looking for help with. Um, peptide therapy is the targeted use of peptides to produce a specific reaction in the body. So some peptides have been shown to assist with something like weight loss by stimulating the breakdown of visceral fat. Um, They may also be utilized to reduce inflammation. And then some peptides stimulate the production of human growth hormones and are used in like anti-aging therapies or to increase muscle mass. So those are some traditional uses for them. Um, obviously, for Lyme disease, it's still a newer thing, uh, so there's not tons and tons of information on it online. You really have to, like, talk to a knowledgeable doctor that has either done the research or been clued in, you know, to the research through, um, you know, their groups and and through their, why can't I think of the word, um, but, like, through their degree, essentially. Like, doctors have not def have access to different information, you know, that we just don't have as, like, normal people. So personally, I do my peptides through subcutaneous injection. Um, They can also be applied in a cream or as, like, a nasal spray. Some people take them in oral form. For me, subcutaneous injection works best, and it's the quickest way to administer it. So the first one that I do, I do thymusin alpha-1. Um, It's the first peptide I ever tried, and at first I was doing it, like, I want to say five days a week, and now I only do it twice a week, but I've definitely noticed a huge difference. So thymus and alpha-1, it leads to the activation and differentiation of DCs and T cells, as well as the initiation of cytokines, such as, I'm going to butcher this word, you guys, inter ferrin, gamma, and interleukin-2. So, if you're like, what the F are you talking about? I'm going to break this down for you because when I read that sentence, I didn't even know what I was talking about. So, a T cell is a lymphocyte of a type um, produced or processed by the thymus gland and actively participating, and it actively participates in the immune response. So, essentially, a T cell, um, it's naturally produced by the body in your thymus gland and it helps to activate an immune response when, like, foreign invaders come in. And then a DC is a den- dendritic cell. Um, it's an antigen-presenting cell, also known as an accessory cell, of the immune system. Its main function is to process antigen material and present it on the cell surface to the C- T cells of the immune system. So, essentially, These DCs act as messengers between the innate and the adaptive immune system. So once again, these DC cells, like the T cell, are all about building up your immune system, building up a healthy immune system response um, to foreign invaders like spirocretes or like babesia, um, boreala, you know, all these things that we're constantly fighting. Um, And then Function. So the this interferon gamma thing situation um, is a cytokine that is critical for innate and adaptive immunity against viral, bacterial, and protozoan infections. So you know we all know that Lyme disease and um, ticks can give you protozoan infections um, and it's viral it's bacterial so it makes perfect sense that something like thymus and alpha one would be able to assist in taking out this viral load this bacterial load this protozoan load from your body and then this interleukin 2 is also a type of cytokine um, it's a signaling molecule in the immune system so, It's a protein that regulates the activity of your white blood cells, um, leukocytes, often lymphocytes, that are responsible for our immunity. So essentially, thymus and alpha-1 helps build up your immune system to have a healthy function to be able to fight off from, you know, these foreign invaders that are not supposed to be in our bodies, which I am all for. So the second peptide injection that I am on is called thymosin beta. And thymosin beta-4, it's highly conserved, it's naturally occurring, it's water-soluble, and it's a regenerative peptide that is found in all tissues and in all cell types except for red blood cells. So, thymusin beta, it's a chain of 43 amino acids, and it promotes healing throughout the body. It is very, very antiviral, anti-inflammatory. It's found naturally in higher concentrations at, like, injury sites, um, and it's a water-soluble protein that can repair tissue damage and regulate cell migration to that site. So, essentially, thymosin beta It's bringing an anti inflammatory response um, and healthy cells, healthy proteins to a site and to, like, maybe a damaged part of the body that needs help repairing. So, it promotes development of new blood vessels, um, it promotes, you know, healing around like wounds, and it promotes cell repair. Sometimes it can be used for improved cardiac function. So, it has a lot of different uses. Um, When I was researching this peptide to bring this to my doctor to see if I could be, like, his guinea pig for this, actually what I found is that thymus and beta injections are very, very popular for golfers that get a lot of, like, wrist, elbow, and shoulder injuries. So, they will do... um, these thymosin beta injections preventatively um, at sites maybe that they've injured in the past, and then they'll like really ramp up these injections. Let's say they damage like their elbow or God forbid or something like that. They will actually inject this peptide right into the site. So what have these peptide injections done for me? So since I started these, I have noticed that I have a lot more energy and I deal with a lot less pain. Um, Of course, I have good days and bad days just like anyone else, but um, energy is a big thing for me. It still is something that I really struggle with from time to time. So when I notice an increase in my energy, it's like very noticeable, um, if that makes sense. And then also, It's been reflected in my blood work since I started these injections. My T cells and my white blood cell counts have both gone up, and they haven't in literally years, in like five years. So that's a big deal for me, and it's a big deal, um, you know, that it can be correlated to that. The downside of peptides is that they're very, very expensive. it's, it's, it can be actually cost prohibitive. So, if you're going to talk to your doctor about peptides, maybe talk about some alternatives as well. Maybe don't try the injections right off the bat. Maybe try it, you know, in a supplement or a pill form or topically, um, and hopefully your doctor will have some more options for you revolving around peptide injections. So, Next, I wanted to talk a little bit about amino acids. Um, So, going back to the peptide injections, it makes sense that those would work for me because essentially they are just um, chains of different amino acids. So, I started doing amino acid IVs probably about a year ago. Um, I I was, like, racking my brain. This is the problem, you guys, with having line brain. As you all know, you can't remember things that are, like, such big things in your life, um, like starting amino acid IVs. I cannot remember to save my life how I started them or why I started them. Um, but I'm so happy I did because it's made one of the biggest differences for me. So I do daily infusions, um, of amino acid IVs and it has brought me more energy. Um, it has brought me, like, I feel like I keep saying the same thing, more energy, less pain, right, because everything is a building block. So one treatment might take, you know, a little bit of pain away, and then the next one takes a little bit more away, that type of thing. And I've definitely noticed a big difference between days that I do my amino acid IVs versus when I don't do them. So on days that I don't do them, I just get tired and fatigued very, very easily from doing very, very little. And on days that I do my amino acid IVs, I feel a lot better. I feel, you know, maybe as a normal person would feel after they, like, drink, like, a Red Bull or something. It just helps to give me energy. And overall, I just feel healthier when I'm on them. Um, I also have dysautonomia. I have POTS. So when I wake up and I feel really POTSy, I will do amino acid IVs like in the morning and I feel like it really helps my POTS symptoms. Okay, so you might be asking yourself, like I did when I first was trying to figure out if amino acids were right for me, what is an amino acid? Like, what are they? So amino acids, it's a group of 20 organic compounds, and they share very specific traits. So they are known as the building blocks of proteins in both plants and animals. So it makes sense that you might have an increased, um, like, energy... You know by taking these because it's it's protein they play a foundational role and they are involved in many like chemical reactions throughout the body so it can help your body maintain normal functions so essentially amino acids they're grouped into three categories essential non-essential and conditional um And basically, they're broken down into these categories depending on where your body, like, pulls things from. So, essential amino acids your body cannot produce on their own, and they must be obtained by, like, an external source, so through food or through supplements. Um, And while most, like, quote-unquote healthy people can probably get enough amino acids from their food... Our bodies, you know, with chronic illness, whether you have Lyme disease or lupus or dysautonomia um, or something else, we just burn our amino acids and um, like vitamins and minerals and things like that so quickly because our bodies are working overtime that it can be difficult to only get it from food, which is why I do IVs. So The next category is non-essential amino acids. Um, So these your body naturally produces throughout the day, like whether you're giving it the supplements or the food or not. And then conditional amino acids are produced only under specific circumstances. So conditional amino acids maybe would be produced if you were fighting off an illness or dealing with stress. Um, So that is when those are produced. So, amino acids can do a lot of different things depending on what you need and what your body needs and what amino acids you give it. So, it can assist in growing skin or connective tissue or muscles. Um, It can assist in healing and repairing the body. It can assist with digestion. Um, providing energy, regulating your mood, regulating and producing hormones. Um, They can help with neurotransmitters. And then also, not superficial, but kind of, Um, but also with maintaining like healthy skin, hair, and nails. So, I personally, I think anyone can Benefit from amino acids, but especially those that are chronically ill, um, especially because they can have extremely anti-inflammatory and antioxidative effects to reduce damage on your body. Um, and you'll see a lot of the times amino acid drips advertised from like those places where you can just like walk in and get one, and they're they're like targeted towards like athletes um, or like what is it called? Like power lifters, things like that, because they help with like muscle regrowth. Um, But don't let that fool you. Um, They can be beneficial for everyone, even people with chronic illness. So, you know, you can get them in, like, an oral supplement form. Once again, that might be a more cost-effective way to try amino acids. Um, It's very widely available in, like, supplement form, in, um, like, powder form to add to smoothies. So it might just be a convenient option for people that are looking for a boost to their day. Um, And they do get, you know, absorbed by your digestive system. So it, it... makes it accessible to your body, you know, to use. But if you do have an issue with, like, your cir- circulatory system or your GI tract or, like, your metabolic function, um, you might want to look into doing it the IV way. So, as far as IV infusions go, I think depending on, like, what you need, your doctor basically can make, like, Different compounds of amino acids, um, and then it gets mixed together in like a sterile saline solution so that you can address very specific um, problems you know that you're looking for. So, something special about IV. Um, amino acid drips, it's like the bioavailability. So essentially that translates to the amount of like a supplement that your body can use. So that actually is lower in oral supplements and in IV infusions, 100% of what you give your body is what it uses because it's delivered straight to like your bloodstream and it's bypassing the digestive system. Um, and then you avoid any absorption problems, you know, that you may have. So, there are some natural sources of amino acids as well, like quinoa is very high in amino acids, salmon and tuna, spinach, kale, broccoli, romaine, lettuce, um, legumes like beans, potatoes. So, I think that there are a lot of good things um, that you can try to incorporate more amino acids into your day-to-day life. So, that's my spiel on amino acids. Um, All right. I have a couple of more things I want to talk to you guys about. One of them being CBD. So I started taking CBD daily for my anxiety and obsessive thoughts, especially since the pandemic has begun. I take a higher dose of it um, probably than most people. And it really does calm me down and just mellows me out. It mellows my mood out. Um, And I noticed that when I take CBD, I am better set up to, like, head off panic attacks. Like, I'm able to take a second and slow down and say, okay, Alex, like, how do we, like, let's ground ourselves. Let's look around the room. Like, let's look for something that makes us happy um, and kind of fight that off. Um, I've used CBD for years and years for topical pain. Um, I use, it's called Luza It's a CBD cream actually, and it's topical for pain. So that's been very helpful, especially with joint pain, because you can really like rub it into your skin. Um, or when I have my period, I have very, very painful periods in my lower back, um, and on my stomach and I will literally like drown myself in this CBD topical pain cream. And it's one of the few things that takes that physical pain away, you know, in your body that just is so, so painful. You can also find it in bath bombs, Um, like Whole Foods sells CBD bath bombs that, you know, they sell ones with like 25 milligrams in it, ones with 50 milligrams, depending on your pain level. And I always try to have, like, between two and four of those on hand just at my house because, as we all know, with chronic illness, you never know how you're going to wake up. Um, And that also makes a huge difference. And it's nice because you can submerge, like, your whole body in it. So, if you have that full body pain and fatigue, it's a great thing to have. Um, So, that's my quick spiel on CBD. The next thing I wanted to talk about, which sounds extremely basic, um, is actually like saline IV drips. So I, like I said, I know I said this earlier, I have dysautonomia, I have POTS, um, and I started doing saline drips for my POTS because at one time it was extremely, extremely severe. Um, Actually about a year ago, it was last May. I was like, I might actually have to start walking with, like, a cane because I could barely walk, like, up and down the sidewalk. Um, It just was so exhausting and my heart would race so badly, it was horrible. So, dysautonomia is treated, you know, it's a variety of symptom-based prescriptions, including, like, cardiac rehab, dietary changes, vitamins, and supplemental therapies. Um, IV, and sa- IV saline therapy can begin to calm many symptoms of, and not only that, but provide very quick relief to people that are suffering with dysautonomia. Um, and based off of, like, research, saline IV drips have essentially no side effects as long as they're obviously dripped the right way and at the right volume. So what you're doing is, you know, you're using it's typically about a liter of IV saline and it is dripped, you know, through an IV line whether you have a pick line or, you know, you have to have like a needle inserted into your arm. Um IV saline, it safely expands your circulating blood volume without affecting the sodium and chloride concentrations, AKA electrolytes. So the circulating blood volume of a normal sized individual is approximately five liters. So then you're increasing that by about 20%. So based off of research um, done in dysanomia patients, this can significantly help with supporting upright blood pressure and slowly reflex tachycardia. So it can provide pretty immediate relief for you. So, POTS is most often treated with a combination of, like, increased salt and water intake. The increased salt and water helps to ensure that the blood vessels are filled better and that the heart receives an adequate amount of blood even during upright postures. So, hearing that, it definitely makes sense that saline drips help. Um, I still, thankfully, although my POTS, not good is not as bad as it once was. I still have days where it's hard to stand up and literally just like standing makes my heart race so badly and my chest get tight. So that's when I like will pretty immediately hook up to a bag of saline and it provides almost immediate relief when I'm about like a fourth of a way through the bag. Um, You know, there was a period of my life where I did saline drips like every day because I had to, to be able to breathe. Um, And now I do it twice, about twice a week. um, And that helps a lot or, you know, whenever my POTS is bad. So the last thing I'm going to talk to you about are detox binders. So I specifically use one called BioChallenge. It's called Bind. Um, I, you know, obviously I've been sick for so long with so many different things. My body is constantly... Killing things and trying to regulate itself and I'll get this like toxic overload um, And like my brain will almost feel toxic like I'll get like moody and emotional I know we've all had this feeling um, and I'm just like, okay, this is not me This is not me in my head right now So binders just help me to clear everything out of my body And I try to take them about an hour before I like do an infrared sauna or sweat or taken heavy, like, Epsom salt baths so that all my toxins can bind to these things and then be pushed. Um, so, toxins, we all know, you know, every body has toxins, right? It's just a matter of being able to properly get rid of them, um, which some of us can't. Like, I know I have, my l- lymphatic system doesn't really work, so that's why, like, I... Well, before the pandemic, I would go weekly for cupping and lymphatic um, drainage massages. And I would always take binders beforehand to get these toxins to move. So something to think about when you're picking a binder or talking to your doctor about getting on a binder is that toxins can be reabsorbed through your gut. So it's important to get on a binder um, that does not get reabsorbed by the gut and BioChallenge bind does not. So you just have to be careful also because some people, like I've heard my friends, like I'm in my mid-twenties and I still have friends that like go out drinking and like whatever and they'll take like two charcoal pills the next day and they swear that it helps them. And I think it's because it binds like all the alcohol, all the toxins that are stirred up in your body from the alcohol, um, then to get rid of them. But if you're like, oh, I'm just going to buy like conventional charcoal, like from like whole foods as a supplement to take as a binder be careful and take it at least an hour away from any medications any supplements any minerals any vitamins um, that you take because something like charcoal it does not discriminate it literally will just bind to everything and then you'll sweat it out or poop it out or however you detox um so tra- something like charcoal i would use very sparingly um also, to keep in mind, different binders work best for different people, like, depending on your specific toxic load. So, what works for someone might someone else, like, might not work for me. And then, dep- like, your binder, you might be on, like, a certain binder now, and you're like, oh, I don't really know if it's working anymore. You can need different binders for different phases of your treatment. Um, and because binders can bind to nutrients, like, take it away from food, like I said, take it away from supplements. Um, and just make sure also that you stay very, very, very hydrated when you're taking binders because it can cause constipation, which nobody wants. Um, so, like I said earlier, I just feel like binders kind of help me to clear out my body. Um, and if I, I get, like, a weird, like, toxic overly emotional feeling, like, in my brain, I typically know that I need to take a heavy binder and get in the Epsom salt bath or the infrared sauna and just sweat some things out. So that is my little list of things that I feel like have really helped me. I hope um, some of these things have either helped you too or maybe something resonated with you and um, you can try it out and see if it helps. I really do feel, like I said earlier, knowledge is power and we all have to share our resources um, to help each other and help educate each other And our doctors, um, there is, you know, no one more powerful than someone with a chronic illness trying to heal on a mission. So, high five. Um, In the next few weeks, I'm excited because I will be chatting with some ladies that have chronic illnesses and we'll be chatting about their dating experiences. So, I met my husband before I got sick. So, it was like a little bit different of a situation, but I know that. Dating with a chronic illness can be extremely tricky. So um, I just wanted to hear about those experiences and share them with you and hopefully produce, you know, something relatable for my friends out there that are trying to date with a chronic illness. As always, if you have any questions, please feel free to DM me on Instagram at Ali T. Maresco. And thank you guys so much for listening. I feel so honored that you choose to use your time Um, every two weeks to check in with me and hear me ramble on. So that does not, you know, go right over my head. I love putting out these podcasts and connecting with you. And I am sending love and healing energy to everyone out there. And, you know, like I say, every week we will get through this. We will heal. Um, We will all get better together. So I will see you in a couple of weeks. Bye.